Welcome to the City Church Cardiff podcast. We're an Elim Pentecostal church in the center of Cardiff dedicated to bringing hope in the name of Jesus. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you're inspired and impacted by this message. Hey, well, I'm so pleased to see you if you are here in the building or if you are at home watching. Um, if you have a Bible, get it out ahead of time because I don't want you just to, just to listen and not engage. I want you to read along with me to see this as a part of participation where we're coming around the scriptures to learn this morning. So we're going to continue our series Steadfast. Uh, the idea was around being shaped by God to endure. And this morning I want to unpack from the scriptures, from mainly the letter of James where we've been based, a characteristic of endurance, which is wisdom. So we're going to look at wisdom together. But, but what is wisdom? What does it mean to live wisely? What does it mean to be a wise person? I know I, I want to be wise, I don't know about you, but most of us aspire to be wise people. I know that there's moments I want to make wise decisions and wise choices. And I think on many occasions, somebody being told they're wise is a compliment, right? Like it's, it's, it'd be a nice thing to be like, oh, you're wise. Well, well, when I think of wisdom, when I ponder on this, I actually think of like Gandalf from Lord of the Rings or like Yoda from Star Wars. It's, it's the character who like um, seems to bring guidance and says something really helpful in the light of their, somebody's quest. Or they're the ones who have like a really cryptic answer to a simple question and they say something and nobody really knows what they're saying, but it seems wise and you just kind of go along with it. Well, the dictionary definition of wisdom is the quality of having experience, knowledge, and good judgment, the quality of being wise. So wisdom is based, as far as the dictionary is concerned, on something we obtain, whether through experience or the amount of knowledge we have. However, the notion of wisdom we find in the scriptures in the Bible, it is not that basic and is a little bit different. So um, we're going to have a quick look at Ephesians. Um, this is going to come up on the screen. Um, when Paul is addressing the church in Ephesus, and he's writing in a moment where he's talking about praying for them. He's kind of like interceding and asking God to bless them. And he says this in Ephesians 1, 17. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him. So Paul describes a spirit of wisdom that is for the purpose of knowing God. That those believers and followers of Jesus in Ephesus in particular, but surely broader, would learn more about God and would know him deeper in wisdom. So does this suggest that wisdom is more than that dictionary definition of just wise words or knowledge or experience? I want to suggest yes, it is. And because what good are wise sayings if it's just, just kind of words? It is great advice, really great advice, if it's just something somebody says transferred to another person? You see, this word wisdom that is used by Paul in Ephesians, and we're going to come to in James, is actually um, translated very differently and, and translate directly to the word skilled. So actually what Paul's saying is that you would have um, the spirit of being skilled, and we're going to come to why that is important in a second. But when I think of somebody being skilled, I think of like Alex and the band, and it's about the ability to do something well. 
I think of Irene and the dance team and they, they're putting in a skill into practice. Or I think of a personal favourite, Shake Shack, which is a burger place in Cardiff. And their ability and their skill to make the best burger in Cardiff. If you haven't been, you should go. It's the same word for wisdom that is skilled in, in our English language, actually um, translated as sophistication or philosophy, which is the art of using wisdom. So it, it connotes very different things to just knowledge or that which you know. It doesn't remain there, but it transfers further. One Bible scholar articulates it like this. Wisdom is insight gleaned from the knowledge of God's ways and applied in the daily walk. Insight gleaned from the knowledge of God's ways and applied in the daily walk. So a biblical understanding in just this brief moment we conclude is, can conclude is the ability to apply knowledge and revelation from God. It isn't just knowing it. It isn't just having God say something through his word or his Holy Spirit. It is the ability to apply it. And in light of that, uh, we're going to jump into James. So we're going to go to James chapter 3, uh, verse 13. And we're going to just read the first verse together in a second. But firstly, James, a bit of context, as uh, Pastor Dominic covered a number of weeks ago, uh, was the half-brother of Jesus. And he was a significant leader in the kind of first group of Christians, the first church, if you like, in Jerusalem. And this letter is basically a collection of all the godly insights... James had learned over the years, it's heavily influenced by the Sermon on the Mount we find in Matthew 5, and particularly influenced by Proverbs 1 through 9. So there's already, if you notice, wise things that aren't just knowledge, but that teaching that comes from Jesus and the Proverbs that influence James's teaching. And the way, the kind of genre of what we're reading is far more like a sermon or a preach. It's, it's far more about imperatives, about some action-focused teaching. One scholar puts it this way, it's a beautifully crafted punch in the gut. So um, not to worry you, not to alarm you, but what we're going to read today might hit home for some of you. It did for me. And the point is, is that it's, it's direct and it's pertinent. So James 13, 313 says this, who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. And we're going to pause there. So right from the very off, James fires in his understanding of what wisdom is. And he's saying, who is the wise? Who is the most knowledgeable around you? Whoever they are, whoever you think it is, let them show it by their good life. Let them show it by the deeds they do in a sense of humility. So he's saying, you demonstrate wisdom in your good life, in the things you do, in the ways you behave, in the life you lead. The phrase good life here is synonymous with a holy life. One that as followers of Jesus, we may understand the idea of holy. Holy being something that is kind of set apart, is not to do with wrongdoing. Observe how James has a personal emphasis on this ability to apply part of wisdom. For he says about these deeds done in humility. Now, uh, your translation may uh, kind of change out the word for humility to meekness. Something that I think in the 21st century in Western cultures, we don't really like the idea of being meek. But actually, it translates as a gentle strength. 
So it's gentleness and strength. So James is saying, do good things in gentleness and strength. Now, I might suggest to you, um, the reason he's done this is because at the start of chapter 3, he's addressing people who want to be teachers in the community. And he goes on to talk about how they need to be careful about the things they say. Their tongue is powerful. And when we get to verse 13, he's addressing the same people. It's still teachers. And the reason he asked this question is because the teachers and the kind of knowledgeable ones were seen as naturally wise in the community. And the reason he asks a question and moves on to this description is to challenge the idea that wisdom remains up here, that it's just thoughts, that it's just knowledge, but actually it's deeds having to be applied and worked out in a person's life. And what James is saying here is a no-brainer, right? Like He's saying if you're skilled in the ways of God, then show that skill in your lifestyle. In the same way, if you claim to be a good cook, I would hope you could evidence it by your cooking. <laughs> Otherwise, it doesn't really count. If you claim to be a good runner or a kind of good at a sports activity, really, you need to be able to demonstrate that on the pitch or the court or out on the road. There's a sense of which it's got to transfer from this thing, the skill, the knowledge, into more than that. So does your life demonstrate what you know about God? Do you demonstrate humble deeds to others because you understand the invitation to love your neighbor? Or are we just full of wise words, cool sayings, tweetable lines, or great captions on social media? You see, wisdom is shown in your good life, in the deeds you do in gentleness and strength. Verse 14, we move on to this section where James now does this cool little contrast between what is like false wisdom and true wisdom. So we're going to read from verse 14 together. He says this, But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly and spiritual demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. So James is drawing out here two things. Bitter envy, and this word envy means actually like zeal or enthusiasm. So it's like a bitterness, but driven in an enthusiastic way. And selfish ambition are both indicators of a false kind of wisdom. And these two things actually land as attributes of the heart. He says it comes from the heart. And he illuminates to us that we cannot possibly live wise lives if we have selfishness in our hearts. Even where there is enthusiasm to demonstrate it, if it comes from a place of bitterness and selfish ambition, it is not wisdom. For he goes on to say, doesn't he, in verse 16 there, that it brings forth disorder and chaos. One commentator rightly concludes that this kind of idea of false wisdom that is selfish, that is bitter, and leads to a kind of chaos and disorder, um, it lacks the characteristic of regeneration. And what do I mean by regeneration? Well, regeneration summarizes the essence of the gospel. It is the fact that Jesus made a way for us into a process of regeneration that is from death to life. It's about moving from despair to hope, from bondage to freedom. It's that process of something new taking place. Thus, this false wisdom actually has the inability to make new things, to bring about good change. 
to instill goodness in our lives. So um, I'm reminded here, maybe some of you will know the story of Jonah in the Old Testament, one of the kind of narratives there. And there's this moment where God gives revelation and knowledge to Jonah, and Jonah decides, no, I'm going to do my own thing. And he runs away, he gets on a ship, and he's not going to these people of Nineveh that he needs to preach and correct in their lifestyle. And what happens is chaos ensues. Jonah is in a storm. They chuck him off the ship. Then a big fish comes. It's crazy stuff. And that is all a silly example in many ways of the fact that Jonah didn't engage the ability to apply knowledge and revelation from God. Think to a time when you may have made um, selfish decisions. I'm sure we're all in that category. And have you found that it caused joy? Or did it cause sorrow? Did it cause loving relationships or fractious ones? Have you been zealous in your deeds, but it's fueled by self-ambition? And this is challenging, and this is one of James's punches in the gut, for sure, and I feel it. I know there are moments when I made bad decisions, I've made decisions that are selfish, and they lead to what I desire, and it very quickly becomes apparent that it leads to kind of chaos and disorder. But thankfully, James doesn't leave us there just hanging on a sour note. But he moves on in verse 17 to talk about a beautiful example of what is true wisdom. So let's read that together. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. And so James brings us into land by offering these principles that define godly wisdom. That is just an invitation for us. First and foremost, wisdom is from God. James uses this word pure, which connotes something being separated from evil and guilt. It's immaculate. It's holy. And if you backtrack into James 1 verse 5, it's his first mention of wisdom. And actually, he just says in a short way that wisdom is from God. Like, if you need wisdom, ask God for it. He is the source of all things good, hope-filled, loving, and beautiful. And so James signposts us and compels us to witness the beauty and wonder of wisdom that is from God. And I kind of paraphrase it this way. It is desirous of making peace, mindful of the value of others and not stubborn in its nature. It offers compassion that flows out of the heart and is led into action. It is loving of all and without hypocrisy. People who live with peace as their motive and give out peace welcome the approval of God. So James, his depiction here of what true wisdom is, actually paints a picture of life following Jesus, but more than that, of putting his words into practice. The fullness of life when we follow God, when, that, when it says that in John, in life and life to the full, comes when we put his words into practice. Jesus illustrated himself this way. The wise are like a person building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When the flood came and the torrent struck that house but could not shake because it was well built. 
But the unwise are like a person who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. See, living wise is built a foundation because it's the ability to apply knowledge and revelation from God. Now, it doesn't mean that it avoids the torrents, the storms, the challenges of life. Where as a church, as a community, we're all in that right now with coronavirus. Those things we don't get to miss out on as followers of Jesus. But when we live a wise life and we put Jesus' words into practice, we are told that we build our house, our life with a firm foundation and it is him. And therefore, when these things come, we might feel them, (laughs) but we won't be destroyed. So how can you grow in wisdom? When we've had this picture of what it is, of true and false wisdom, how can you grow? And I just want to give you some simple, some applicable, some practical ways you could do that. So how can you be wise this week? First and foremost is to feed. What are you feeding your life with? If wisdom is the application of knowledge and revelation from God, then surely it's important to feed yourself with knowledge and revelation from God. A place you can do that is the scriptures. So perhaps reading or listening to scripture is a great place for you to start. That it is, it's God's truth and revealed to us in the person and character of Jesus as well. So just start where you're at. Um, If you don't read the Bible, if you don't have a habit of doing that daily, no pressure. Start weekly, start every other day. Just take a step towards inviting God's knowledge and revelation into your life. Um, Maybe you could start by reading a few verses before work in the morning. Uh, If you've got to take the kids to school or nursery, you could put an audio version on and listen to it together. Maybe as a family, you could share scripture, read it together around the dinner table. There are so many ways to engage in it. It's not a pressurized thing. It's an invitation to learn and to hear from God in his knowledge. Another way could be to read other Christian literature. Like God has gifted men and women who have written phenomenal things that can fill our hearts and our minds with the things of the kingdom. Maybe that's literature on family or prayer or a, or a multitude of things that we choose to feed ourselves with to know what God's way is. And conversely, but important to know, eliminate what is not good for you. Sometimes the idea of adding more things to our lives seems daunting. You're telling me to oh, Pascal, you're saying, read more scripture, do this, do that. How about if you were to watch less TV? Not say no TV. I like TV. Watch less. Maybe take less time on social media. Maybe don't scroll through Facebook for hours on end each day. Because I would suggest that, that is not the place or space. You are filling your life with knowledge and revelation from God. And second thing is to focus. Because applying something takes practice and practice requires focus. So maybe highlight an area in your life as you're sat here today or you're sat at home that you want to move away from kind of this false wisdom or thing that's called in disorder and you want to take it into this true wisdom in following God. Maybe write it down, reflect on it. Think about, oh, could I set some goals to move towards this wise way of living in this area of my life? And part of that, to invite somebody in, Uh, we were not designed, God did not make us to do life on our own or to follow him alone. In isolation, uh, there really isn't much fruit in that. 
So maybe in this wise way of living, it's inviting in a partner, a spouse, friends, a loved one to say, hey, I'd love to grow. I'd love to move forward in this true wisdom in this area. Would you help me? Can I permission you to call me out if I'm getting it wrong and you're going to help me on the journey? And and we have a form of that community in City Church, and that's collectives. Um, I couldn't uh, encourage you enough to join a collective. It's a space where you get to um, gather with people online at the moment and maybe sometimes in person to come around the scripture, to come around how we follow Jesus together. Because true wisdom is practicing the ability to apply knowledge and revelation from God so that you may know him and demonstrate the good life. Would you bow your heads and join me in a moment of quiet as we pray? We hope you're encouraged by today's message. To find out more, visit our website at citychurchcardiff.com or find us on social media.